välkomna till internationell författarscen. Jag heter Athena Färrochsad. Och jag heter Ida Linde. Och vi är programansvariga för litteraturen på Kulturhuset Stadsteatern. Alldeles strax ska ni få höra författaren Haitham Elvardani i samtal med mig. Varmt välkomna! Hello, hi Pam. Hi. Welcome to Stockholm. Thank you very much. I'm uh, so happy to be in conversation with you. Um, this is something you always say when you're in conversation with somebody. And maybe you always also are. But this time I'm particularly happy and I will tell you more about that later. Uh, so you're an Egyptian writer. Uh, and translator, born in Cairo, but you've been living in Berlin for almost 20 years. And you published several collections of short stories and experimental fiction, maybe we could call <laughs> it. Yeah. And last year, the book of sleep from 2017, uh, came out in Swedish, and it's the one we will be talking about. But first of all, we will read from it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really, thank you very much. I would like to thank you uh, heartily for the invitation and I would like to thank Anna Jensen for the translation. Hey, Anna. <laughs> and, um, of course, um, I would like to um, thank also Gunnar also like for publishing the book and, and Nishtet. Um, yes, saying this, um, we thought... Uh, to read a passage from the book, in first in Arabic and then in Swedish, right? Um, yeah. المطمئن يحدث أن يتوقف الحيز الاجتماعي عن أن يكون ساحة للتفاوض والصراع ومجالا لتبادل الآراء والحوار. ليظهر ساعتها ملمح آخر خفي في التجربة الاجتماعية وهو الصمت المشترك النوم في المواصلات أو الميادين العامة في قاعات الدرس أو أثناء العمل هو رفض مضاعف للفعل الاجتماعي إذ أنه لا يحدث في غرف النوم الخاصة وإنما في قلب أماكن الاحتكاك الاجتماعي التقليدية النائم في العمل يمتنع عن العمل والنائم في المواصلات يكف عن مشاهدة إعلانات الطريق والنائم في الميدان العام يمسك عن التواصل مع الآخرين النوم يلمس المجال العام بعصاه فيحوله من مجال للتفاوض والصراع إلى مجال للصمت والغياب فيصبح الأخيران نشاطا جماعيا وليس شأنا خاصا على أن النوم في فشله الاجتماعي لا يحول المجال العام إلى مجال للجفاء والتجاهل وإنما ويال الغرابة إلى مجال للثقة والاطمئنان ففي قلب الإضراب الاجتماعي الذي يشكله النوم تلوح ثقة جديدة في الآخر ثقة مجهولة المصدر 
فالنائم في الأماكن العامة لا يتفاوض أو يتصارع لا يتحالف أو يتواصل وإنما يسلم أمره للآخر ويكشف أمامه ضعفه وهوانه وقلة حيلته النوم في الأماكن العامة هو إذن إعلان ثقة في الآخر وآخر الأماكن العامة الذي ينام المرء بجانبه مطمئنا ليس شخصا واحدا وإنما هو جماعة من الغرباء المجهولين تظهر مصادفة جماعة لا يرغب المرء في معرفة أفرادها وإنما يطمئن إلى جمعهم ويترك نفسه ليصبح غريبا مثلهم Det händer att det offentliga rummet slutar vara en arena för förhandling och konflikt eller ett forum för åsiktsutbyte och dialog och att en annan dold aspekt av den kollektiva erfarenheten framträder, delad tystnad. Att sova i kollektivtrafiken eller på torget, i klassrummet eller på jobbet är ett dubbelt avvisande av samhällsverksamheten eftersom sömnen inte utspelar sig i ett privat sovrum utan mitt på de platser som traditionellt sett är till för social friktion. Den som sover på jobbet lämnar sitt arbete. Den som sover på blussen är blind från reklamskyltarna längs vägen. Den som sover på torget avstår från att umgås med andra. Sömnen rör vid det offentliga rummet med sitt trollspö och förvandlar det från ett forum för förhandling och konflikt till ett forum för tystnad och frånvaro. Från att ha varit privata angelägenheter blir tystnaden och frånvaron gemensamma aktiviteter. Ändå omvandlar inte sömnen detta sociala misslyckande det offentliga rummet till en plats för avståndstagande och likgiltighet utan märkligt nog till en plats full av tillit och tröst. I hjärtat av det sociala avbrott sömnen innebär framträder ett nytt förtroende för den andra, ett förtroende av okänt ursprung. Om du sover på allmän plats varken bråkar eller förhandlar du med någon. Du ingår inga allianser, kommunicerar inte. Du bara överlämnar dig åt den andra, blottar dig inför honom som sårbar, otillräcklig och hjälplös. Att sova på allmän plats är alltså att kunngöra din tillit inför den andra. Och den allmänna platsens andra, inte vilken du förtröstansfullt sover, är inte en enskild person utan det är kollektiva främlingar som råkar befinna sig just där, just då. Du önskar inte lära känna kollektivets alla okända medlemmar. Du bara förtröstar dig på deras kollektivitet och lämnar över dig själv för att bli till en främling ibland dem. Yes. Thank you. So, every season when we curate the program of literature at Kulturhuset me and Ida, we decide which of the visiting writers that we will talk to ourselves. Uh, and you can tell from the choice that we make which reading has affected us the most. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> and for me, uh, The Book of Sleep was a really revolutionary experience to encounter because it's, it's unlike, I would say, everything else that I ever read, both in terms of style and in content. 
Um, I think, well, it's a book that obviously describes sleep in its various forms and functions, but, but I think more than that, it's a book that sort of investigates the transformative potential of sleep, and that's the important thing. And I think from also from what you heard, it's important to mention that the book is really not about the act of sleeping, something that humans do in general. I think rather it's, it's about the collectiveness of sleeping and the collective potential in sleeping. And from what I understand, your point of departure while writing it uh, was actually um, the Egyptian revolution and the um, gatherings uh, the ma of the masses at the Tahrir Square in 2011 mm. uh, and the actual act of sleeping at the square. So could you, could you start there by telling us yeah. the connection between the revolution and sleep and the book of sleep? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, as you mentioned, uh, sit-ins like you know like when people would go to places to occupy them and to make sit-ins and part of the sit-ins is to sleep right there was a form of protest which was uh, practiced um, back then in 2011 um, but the moment I really started working on this project was a little bit later it was after 2013 and um, at that time in Egypt, um, it, was, it was a twilight moment where you could see, you know, um, the disaster is coming. Mm. The counter-revolution powers are, you know, like getting stronger and stronger. And, um, and that you you as a collective, you know, at the end and the limit of your um, uh, power and energy to do something against this. So it was a, it was a moment of, you know, um, coming to the limit of what you can, what you can do, right? And... Um, it was very later, you know, like very dark time and many bad things happened, etc. And, um, you know, like people, many people were depressed or ended up in jails or mm. had to leave the country, etc. Um, and somehow working on this project was what kept my sanity, mm. so to speak. Um, so my, my kind of first impulse was that, you know, like this twilight moment, this moment of coming to the limit of what you can, um, kind of resembled for me, you know, like the moment of falling asleep, because like it's, it's the moment when you come to the limit of your power to stay awake, because actually there are many interesting things to do, um, and you cannot hold it, and you have to let go. Um, and I kind of you know, um, went with this, you know, like with this line of thinking, trying to um, to look for, you know, like the healing powers of mm. sleep at that moment, but also to mobilize the potentialities of sleep mm. politically. Um, mm. 
But speaking of the potentiality of sleep, if we stay at the square a little bit, yeah. because <clears throat> this very active sort of sleeping at politically contested ground, uh, in doing that, you're right, the, the occupier becomes relaxed, you know, puts down her arms and sort of puts aside the activity in activism right. um, and in favor of sort of the passivity of sleep. Right. And in this passivity, you're right, this is where the actual sort of true potential, revolutionary potential of the occupation begins. Right. Why? Um, you know, it, it's, it sounds very contradictive or like it sounds as if it's a contradiction to speak about, you know, like political... Mm. potentiality of something like sleep which is you know like sounds like the opposite right mm. but um i think what what is um especially in this scene you are referring at mm. um what is very um powerful there is that um the political action is not only exerting or doing something, but rather sometimes it is the the sharing of vulnerability in itself is enough to, mm. to say a political statement mm. right so so w one of one of the potentialities of the so called passivities or like passive activities or maybe active passivities right is is really not to try to hide vulnerability or brokenness, mm. but rather to insist on it and to share it. Yes. And I think this is also when I read this passage, I really understood this as a way of dis also describing utopia. Mm. Because, because in this act of of sort of putting the, the arms down and becoming vulnerable on the square, it, it is as if the revolutionaries not only speak about, you know, a coming future, but they become the vessels that can sort of incorporate that future through their vulnerability. Mm. Uh, so it is as if the act of sleep turns them into materializations of their dreams. Yeah. Or or a medium, mm. you know, like for for these dreams, right? Like um um and yeah. You know, like just to add to this, you know, like w what is um really interesting um regarding this notion of utopia, right? Um um, you know, utopia is not a place to go to or a place mm. where you can dwell at. Uh, and this is something nice to learn from sleep because sleep is all about to, uh, to wake up again, right? Otherwise, it's not sleep. Otherwise, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's either, you know, like... Um, uh, um coma or death right mm. like but 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 vigilance awakeness 
is a structural moment of sleep, right? Mm. Like, um, it's not the opposite of sleep. It's, it is really like, it's a structural, a structural moment in, in, in sleep. So, <coughs> so the lesson which, which we can learn from there, that it's not really about dwelling in a place and call it utopia, mm. but rather, how can we let go to be able to make a new start, to make a new beginning, to mm. wake up again, mm. um, mm-hmm. even from the utopian dream. Mm-hmm. Right. But you were already mentioning this when you spoke about uh, the aftermath of the Egyptian revolution and, and sort of a people reaching its limit. But I think... Uh, one of the most interesting things about the Book of Sleep is actually that in a, in a sort of general political context and, and, and in general political metaphor, uh, sleep is, of course, understood as something bad. Right. Um, as, a, as a metaphor for political passivity. So the, the sleeping people, you know, need to wake up in order um, to, to sort of transform right. uh, reality. And this is something, it's not only a metaphor, this is something you hear or when you actually you know, go to a rally or this wake up people, you know, it's, it's something very, very often used. But <clears throat> in your book, it's the other way around. Really, I would say, I would, I would take it uh, that far. Because in a way, it's like the, the, uh, the awakened people need to fall asleep. Mm. <laughs> in order to be to be able to transform uh, reality mm. to to make sort of social uh, change take place mm. <sighs> can you yeah. I, i know you already said something about it but can you say i mean it's it's a very radical conclusion in a way and it's a fun conclusion and it's i think it's also maybe sometimes a true conclusion but how did you reach it uh, i mean except what you were mentioning yeah um <clears throat> Yeah, I think, you know, like one way to put it is, you know, um, it's necessary not to see wake, awakening and sleep as uh, only a dichotomy, mm. you know, like as two opposite mm. poles. Rather, to try to look, you know, like more to see the kind of dialectical relationship between mm. between both of them. So I guess, you know, like when when being awake means um, to fill, fill prey to the consumption of certain images or, you know, like being brainwashed by certain uh, ideological propaganda or uh, being instrumentalized uh, all the time, then of course, sleep is the interruption mm. of this condition mm. and sleep can bring can help us in this situation where we need to interrupt this we need you know like to break this cycle but it's not about you know um you know like sleep is is, is not the alternative of awakening rather it is the critique of mm. m- m- mystified awakening you know like mm. it's It's maybe, you know, like we need sleep in the moment when vigilance becomes 
uh, hijacked <laughs> and we need awakening, you know, like when we lose ourselves in, in, in nice dreams, you know, like mm. which we need to wake up from. So, so, so just shortly, you know, like maybe one way to put it that um, um, vigilance and sleep, they kind of different from each other, but you cannot take them apart from each other. They are really, mm. you know, like very intertwined. And, um, uh, and I felt at that moment when I was working on the book that, yes, like there is a need for these powers and potentialities at that moment for, for sleep to do this interruption or um, uh, to, to, to try to wake up again and see the reality f mm. with a fresh eye mm. so we could develop better tools mm. um, to help us in our deadlock. Mm. Right. But apart from all this that you're saying now, is there also a certain skepticism towards political agency mm. in itself? Because when I read the book, I, I, I have a feeling that you have a problem with sort of the idea of agency, uh, the way it's mm. understood in sort of polit political theory historically, and that you want to sort of... Um, mess up this idea of what political agency is and is mm. and, and and this is why you speak of passivity and and mm. sort of the agency that comes from being passive or from sleeping yeah absolutely i i think i would like to extend the concept of political agency mm. to include you know like um those who cannot speak those who are absent those who mm. are um Uh, sick, those who, you know, like all the forms of life which is not based on uh, a controlling subject, a subject of consciousness which controls, you know, like, um, yeah, controls what they are doing. So, so I think I'm interested in extending the concept of political agency to, mm. to, to include all these mm. different forms of potentialities and Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> This is something you sense when you also read the book. Um, it's it's somehow for me impossible to to speak about this book and to talk about night and day and sleep and awakeness or and bodies and sleep and ideology um, and of course political change without without also addressing what's happening in the world right now and the last two weeks of of war in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard question, I know, but would you say, how would you say that your book and, and sort of the notion of sleep that you develop yeah. uh, comes into this? Yeah. You know, I arrived yesterday hmm. to Stockholm and I almost ended up going to Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the reason for that um, was that since two weeks, I can't get proper sleep. <laughs> mm. uh, my sleep is interrupted. And this puts me in, you know, like in a, a, um, a, a state of mind where, you know, like um, 
I simply arrived to the airport and I looked at the timetable and I saw there is a flight 12.15, which is the time of my flight, by it's the Scandinavian Airlines, which is also the airlines which I'm supposed to fly, but going to Oslo. And somehow I thought, yes, I'm going to Oslo. And I went to the gate and I stand, stood in the queue and, and then I found out when my boarding pass did not work. Mm. And, and the lady said, honey, you're not going to Oslo. You're going to <laughs> Stockholm. <laughs> and, and this was the moment when I realized, oh yeah, mm. I'm actually going to Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to run to catch the other gate. So, um, so yes, you know, I come to Stockholm and actually... I was wondering between me and myself, you know, like, hmm, I'm supposed to speak about sleep and this book in a moment of no sleep, in a moment when I, per, you know, like I personally have really troubles to, um, to, to, to get some sleep. And um, what I can just, you know, like comment on this is that, um, you know, um, sleep and lack of sleep they are not a private issue mm. they are not only a private issue right and um, to to spend sleepless nights were something which I, I, I wasn't even thinking about there was not an idea which kept you know like haunting my mind and that's why I did not sleep no but but there was, you know, something in these nights refuses to come to a rest. Mm. And, and I think, you know, this is not only my personal psychological mm. state, but also it's an indication of, this, of the conditions of the world right now, where there is something refuses to sleep. Mm. There, is, there is something shouting loud and saying, look there, don't look away. Um, so I, I just, <clears throat> I think what I would like to say about this is really um, sleep insomnia is not... Um, a private issue, but it is something which um, <clears throat> concerns the society in which we are living in and also concerns all the pile of disasters which we are walking on, mm. you know. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. sense. Yeah, but also in this moment even though there are so many of us who cannot sleep, mm. would there be a transformative potential in sleep? Could you be so, you know, uh, is, is it actually this material, because of the fact that you were mentioning that sleep is a way of sort of turning away from the production of ideology in your society? Mm. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, it's really a hard question. Um, um, you know, because 
not to be able to sleep, this is also a political form. You mm. know, like th th there is something important is being said by the fact that you cannot sleep, right? Mm. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, like I wouldn't rush and say, ah, yeah, but it's good to have some rest and sleep so you can, you know, like uh, try to find some solutions, etc. But I would, you know, like, I would try to find where in insomnia or where in the sleeplessness, mm. where can we find uh, a cut, a new beginning, uh, um, mm. uh, a, a way to, 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 to interrupt the continuity of violence. Mm. Um, which is not only f started two weeks ago. It mm. is it is a violence which has been going on over 50, 75 years. Mm. Um, so um, I would go even farther and say it is part of sleep that things comes back and refuse to go away, and mm. and and insist on. Um, that you cannot um, put them under the how you say this? Put them under the carpet, mm. hide them under the carpet. Mm -hmm. It is it is really part of sleep because dreams. Um, and here in this book, I was interested in the dreams of people who are not with us anymore, and or mm. places which we left, or you know, like d d dreams. You know, they often bring bring us back or put us back to um to the moments of time or to to um to the context which to the problems which never solved mm. and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be talked about so, mm. so to put it very short sorry sleep is not really to to run away from something but it is maybe the space where we can um, access or we can, you know, like uh, engage with reality and what is hidden in this reality mm. in another way. Mm. Mm -hmm. I have a quote from your book that relates to this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you say, um, you say like this, maybe a human being needs sleep in order to realize that she in reality is a small collective mm. uh, where her subject only forms a part of her. Right. This is very intriguing to me. I think it's related to what you're saying, but what, what does it mean that, that in sleep you realize that yeah. you're not the subject you thought you were? Yeah. I guess what I was trying to, um, to formulate is, you know... I think I was taken by um, the um, the fact that um, um, how to put it, you know, um, s sleeping is the most intimate kind of you know like activity or non-activity, um, and. The, the 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 interesting contradiction is that you know like to be very intimate means 
to lose yourself, right? Like, like there is this kind of interesting contradiction where you know, like, to be very intimate to yourself is to 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 lose, you know, like, big. What I mean by losing uh, losing yourself is losing this position of control, mm. you know, like. Uh, which y usually you would have in the during the day time or something, you know, like uh, so. Uh, so so there is this moment where um, you know a subject is not anymore um, uh, um, um, how you say this. Um, self-contained mm. entity but rather it is subject because it is opened and in you know like in relationship with with many other things so it is the moment when the subject becomes um, a cloud or uh, many people or you know like a, a, a plurality or um, mm. anything but a self-contained entity Mm. I see, yeah. For me, this was a way of sort of turning Freud into Marx. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you see what I mean, that you sort of take this idea of, of you know, the collective subconscious uh, that, that is, of course, the, f the foundation of Freudian theory. Yeah. And, and you say, but look, there's a revolutionary potential here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it makes sense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a radical statement. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I read your book, uh, I, I think about the fact that it's an attempt to sort of load human life with uh, the potential of mystery and resistance and other thing. And that, that your interest in sleep mm. is in a way secondary. Mm. Um, that the book could also have been about, I don't know, exercise <laughs> or, or reading or other kind of sort of continuous uh, or repeated human activities. Mm. Um, and, and that that book, a book on exercise, could also contain all these things that we've been discussing so far and, and also sort of challenge the existing order of things. So, I mean, yes or no, would you agree? Is, is the book of sleep really about sleep? I absolutely agree. Mm. Uh, <laughs> no, really. I mean, um, um, I, I myself sometimes, you know, like um, wonder, you know, like um, that actually, you know, it can be also a book about writing, mm -hmm. poetry, for instance. Mm -hmm. It can be also a book about uh, the relationship between the living and the dead. Right. It can also yeah. be a book about, um, yeah, about, you know, like 
uh, how to interrupt a continuity. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it's funny you mentioned both the living and the dead and poetry because these two are my next questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 start with poetry because you say in the book that sleep mm. doesn't belong neither uh, neither to truth nor fantasy mm. but to poetry mm. because like sleep poetry is a constant mix between two categories the true and the hypothetical. Mm. So as a poet, I must ask you. Yeah. Can you say more about this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know... Um, okay, so maybe very shortly. Mm. Um, my relationship to poetry does not come from a place of practicing, right? Mm -hmm but comes from being educated in um a po you know in poetry circles i come mm. from generation like 90s generation in egypt <clears throat> where in which <clears throat> poetry was very important like um you know like when you start being interested in literature, so you see, you know, like friends and you go from circles to circles. Back at that time, <clears throat> all these circles were people who were working with poetry. Mm. And uh, so po poetry is my education, mm. right? Although I don't try... The best. It is the best, mm. yes. Um, so so, so my kind of... Um, be, like my kind of... Uh, belonging to poetry does not come that I write, write myself poetry, but really comes from from this is like the core of my my literary education. Mm. And I guess what I was trying to say in this um, uh, in this passage is that you know p p p uh, poetry has the power to. Uh, disturb what it seemed as a stable condition. Mm. Po po How? Poetry has the power to question and to imagine other, um, other conditions than the conditions which is presented to us as the permanent condition. Mm. Poetry has the power to uh, to look through things and to uh, to help or to to give tools um, to really disturb what it seemed undisturbable. Undisturbable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess here I was, you know, like um, I was thinking about, you know, like the moment, the, the, the time of sleep as, or like the act of sleep or in a metaphorical way maybe, like something very close to, to what poetry is doing because, because sleep is also kind of mixing things, you know, like is, is, is an interruption inserted mm. in, 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 an, in, a, in, a, in a regime of reality and, and maybe this interruption helps us to to come back with a fresh eye on this mm. on this yeah, yeah, regime of reality and 
um, mm. see it in a different way. Mm. Does yes. that make sense? Yes, totally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not only hypothetical, I think it's also true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think with hypothetical is that, you know, like, um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, like, poetry is somehow what, what, um, what shakes the stability or the, the, the self-containment of, you know, like, fiction on one hand and mm. the, 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 the material or theoretical back, uh, uh, backbones of reality as if they are both separated. And poetry is kind of, you know, like, um, refuse this... Uh, Uh, sure. separation and yeah. and insist on shaking both of them and mm. clashing both of them into each other mm. yes okay. okay we could talk about this for hours okay. <laughs> but it's time for the dead yes <laughs> uh, because one of the reasons why you defend sleep mm. because I would say you really do that you're a defender of sleep as an ocean um, is is because the fact that sleep is also the domain of the dead um, and, and that you say that if there's one instance in our lives as alive human beings where the dead are able to enter, where we are sort of not distracted, too distracted to, to take notice of them, right. it's in sleep. Right. Where, where the dead become visible to us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Could you speak more about w this? Which is, which is a sad thing that, mm. you know, like sleep is the only, became the only kind of domain to have this interaction. And, and, and maybe it's necessary, you know, like to say that uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the dead, you know, like not as a, ontological category, but rather really as a pol political category as well. Mm. You know, like the dead are those who tried hard but did not succeed. Those who, you know, like um, paid high prices for what they believed uh, uh, as a change for the reality, but they never saw this change, right? Mm. Um, But are you speaking about the dead revolutionaries or just everybody who's dead? Yeah. Or is everybody who is dead a former revolutionary? Um, I, I think I'm, I'm thinking about the dead as a category of unfulfilled mm. uh, uh, dreams, unfulfilled um, projects mm -hmm. probably that's mm -hmm. that's maybe the, the the best formulation which i can come with um the 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 dead are unfulfilled projects and these unfulfilled projects um they uh still have demands mm -hmm. because the conditions which necessitate these projects of change these conditions, they are still there. Mm. Um, so, so I think it's very necessary to 
to listen to these demands which is which are all around us actually you know like mm. all these tries to bring you know like the social relationships into a better place and did not succeed you know like they they don't vanish or evaporate mm. but they are you know like still around um but they need just a careful you know like a careful ear and somehow sadly you know like uh we became very uh, occupied with with the living <laughs> mm. with you know like um with the communication with the living um and the 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 times the the hours of sleep became like the 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 only kind of remaining island or remaining you know like place where uh, it's normal to see those who are not there anymore mm. and to have a conversation with them mm. um yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about Walter Benjamin. Yes. Yeah. I want to ask everyone about Walter Benjamin. <laughs> But you have also translated him yes. into Arabic. And he's written a book on, on weed. On hashish, yes. yeah. Uh, where he writes like this. <clears throat> Action is a means of dreaming. Mm. Reflection is a means of staying awake. Mm. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. You can say something about that if you like. <laughs> or I will continue the question. Can you repeat it again, please? Action is a means of dreaming. Reflection is a means of staying awake. Mm. Yeah. It's well put, no? <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here's actually my question. Yeah. Um, why don't you write more about drugs? <laughs> It's because, or, or about sort of other kinds of experiments or conditions between sleep yeah. and vigilance or awakeness you know about coma or or you know being in 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 the drug hazes or because it it's not present at all in your book yeah but all these sort of twilight conditions between yeah is is that of you interest know, for a philosopher of sleep um you know i, I think benjamin wrote this text in Uh, in the period which he was interested in surrealism. Yeah. You know, like he wrote also this famous essay on <coughs> surrealism. Mm. And in, in surrealism, um, as, as far as I remember, he, he was interested in... He did not use the word intoxication, but he used a similar word, and he called it, let's say, intoxication. Pro, he... He said pro- profane intoxication, <laughs> right? Mm. And what did he mean with this? You know, like he, he meant um, a status of intoxication or of 
he did not use the word intoxication. I'm sure he used another word, but I, I don't, I, it doesn't come to my mind right now. But um, it is profane. It's not, you know, like holy or it's not, you know, like, mm. uh, it, it is this world, not otherworldly, kind of intoxication, which, um, um, which he thought the surrealists are doing. Yeah. And this intoxication does not come only from drugs or from you know, getting high, or, um, but, but rather um, reading, for instance, is a form of intoxication. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, flaneuring is a form of intoxication. Um, and what interests ben Benjamin in that article, as far as I remember, is that these are forms which um, he did not put it this way, but this is now my mm. way of putting it. These are forms of intoxications that d disturb the convenience of bourgeoisie. Mm. Um, and, and that's what he found very interesting in surrealism, mm. right? Um, Mm. So I guess you know, like uh, yeah, like getting high or you know, like other forms of 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 intoxication is is really I don't know. It's really nice to be high sometimes, no? Like so, it's, it's mm. and it's it's really. Um, but I think w what I'm interested in more is. Um, um, you know, not only about the state of intoxication and to be somewhere else, but but somehow how this intoxication is necessary to um, to question mm. reality again. Mm. You know, yeah. like to open dimensions in reality which was not there anymore. Mm. Be because I don't believe that. To be intoxicated means to be in another reality. Right. But it's, it's, it's funny because, I mean, one of your or some main sources of inspiration that you write about are the mm. surrealists yes. here because they are sort of inspirations to you when it comes, as not re when it comes to not regarding sleep as passive right. but as loaded with, you know, transformative potential. Right. Yeah. But okay. There's not much time left, so I have some some more things that I really want to ask you. Yeah. Um, because you also write about the relationship between sleep and work, mm. which I think is very important, and 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 and, and um, you describe the desire of the higher classes, the upper class, the middle class, also to to sort of uh, regard and depict the working class through the history of art yes. uh, when they sleep yes. and this fetish of the sleeping working man. Yes. Uh, but you also speak about how uh, industrial capitalism has transformed the structure of sleep. Yeah. So I just want to ask you about this and about the function of sleep in wage labor society and also what could be another function of sleep in another kind of society yeah. outside the market yeah um, you know like the, the, the ca capitalist system of production 
kind of flattened the landscape of sleep, right? Like mm. it transformed sleep into another shift, right? Like you have mm. a shift of, I don't know, six hours, seven hours, eight hours of sleep uh, uh, to wake up and to go back t to work, you know? And um, um, the... the, the, the the corruption of um, sleep or the idea of sleep, you know, like, um, which is taking place in such a system, you know, um, is um, many-folded, right? Mm. Um, and I think it's not a done deal yet. Mm, what do you mean? I mean that um, it's not a done deal yet that the powers of sleep in such a, uh, a system of production, mm. these powers are already tamed mm. and put into sleep. <laughs> mm. I think that, you know, like, um, that the control over sleep or the flatten, the complete flattening of sleep is not done deal yet is that you know like that still there is something out of control to capitalism in sleep mm -hmm. that's why for instance you know like most of the most of the experience of social media is based on not to go away just you know like to keep mm. to keep scrolling to keep you know like um, not to sleep at all right like to to yeah. um, um so, like, this is one point. The, the other point is the labor of sleep. I, yeah. I think, you know, you remember Freud was speaking about the labor of dreams, right? Mm. Like this, the, the Verschiebung and I can't remember the... Um, anyways, like, uh, how the dreams functions and the labor, like, Traumarbeit, no, in German. Um, mm. I, I think, you know, like, one could say that... Uh, there is a labor of sleep. Mm. Um, okay, but actually this is another point then depicting the sleeping proletariat in, in images and in, in mm. photographs. Maybe I'll just, just mm -hmm. respond to this point quickly that in, uh, at least, you know, like in the Egyptian context, like in, in some of the... Art, it is it is a very uh, beloved motif, the sleeping, working person, like a person who, you know, like very fatigued until they sleep in their uh, working place, right? Like th this is a motif which we all know from the history history of art, and um, it, it is a kind of, you know, like uh, it, it says a lot, right? Like because. It is as if the, the, the working class laboring even in their dream mm. as an image, yeah. right? An image which is, um, you know, like consumed or circulated not by that class, but by other classes. Mm. And hardly this sharing or whatever you, you want to call it, hardly change the conditions of the working 
class, right? Like, so it's, it's as if, you know, like the working class is not only working um, by their body, but also uh, while they are asleep, they work as an image, mm. as a pathetic, like as an image which is supposed just to, to uh, raise your uh, empathy, but not to change the conditions of the society and the, and the, and the, and the relationship between the classes. Mm. Um, so th that was kind of um, interesting for me, again, that sleep is never private, never only private, mm. but sleep is a place where you can also see, you know, like how different classes uh, um, uh, are in, in a relationship. You know, the sleeping of the bourgeoisie is protected mm. by the walls of the sleeping uh, rooms. Mm. Whereas the sleeping of the proletariat, the, the armed, the poor, the migrants, the, you know, whatever you want to call, to, to add to the list, you know, like, is, um, is on the street and any eyes can fall into it, can see it. You know, like it's it's it's. Uh, um, um, I think it tells a lot about the social condition. Mm. Yes. So my my last question before yeah. we end with the reading will be um, about the body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, towards the end of the book, you have a short text. Um, where you describe the actual sleeping body, you know, yeah. how it sweats, how, it's, how it drools the muscles, the intestines during sleep. Yeah. And that's when I realized that I've been reading a book which is about sleep, an activity conducted by bodies, yeah. you know, but which, is, which hasn't really sort of... Um, been very preoccupied with the body. Yeah. Would you agree? It's, yeah, it's a, it's a really very nice, uh, very nice comment. I did not think about it. Uh, I think I do agree because I think I was um, um, I was kind of um, um, yeah uh, intrigued by the absence in sleep, mm. the, ap the aspect of absence in, mm. in sleep. And, um, and now, you know, like listening to you, you know, like this kind of adds another layer of, of how, how, how another layer of contradiction on sleep, you know, like we, we talked about, you know, like the sleep is not the opposite of vigilance, but like kind of wakening is, is a structural moment in it. And now one other layer, interesting layer, you know, like that, you know, like sleep is very visceral, very bodily, mm. but it is also uh, uh, an absence. So yeah. th there is, you know, like this kind of, yeah. um, which I think it would be interesting to 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 look more into it. Um, Good. It's yeah. for the Book of Sleep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Or something you might write, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so I would like you to sure. end yeah. reading another passage from the book. Yeah. 
أهل الكهف الكارثة هي النقطة التي تتغير عندها طبيعة الصراع كلية ليصبح صراعا من نوع آخر وبالتالي يتطلب نوعا آخر من المقاومة الكارثة بهذا المعنى ليست امتدادا للصراع وإنما نقطة تحوله الجذرية النقطة التي يصبح ما بعدها لا يمت بصلة لما قبلها لذا فهي لا تتطلب بحثا عن حلول ولا توسيعا للنضال وإنما تتطلب بداية جديدة لخلق أدوات مقاومة جديدة تلك البداية الجديدة المنتظرة لا تولد عبر إدارة الكارثة أو التخفيف من آثارها وإنما من خلال تقبل الانكسار أمامها حتى النهاية وهذه هي وظيفة النوم فهو ما يصل بنا إلى القاع الذي من دون ملامسته لا يمكن الصعود منه إلى السطح مرة أخرى النوم بكل ما يحمله من انكسار واستسلام ليس وسيلة مقاومة في صراع وإنما هو مخاض جديد في لحظة تحول الصراع um, maybe I'll stop here and you... Katastrofen är ögonblicket då konflikten helt ändrar karaktär och blir ett annat slags konflikt som därmed kräver ett annat slags motstånd. I den meningen är katastrofen inte en förlängning av konflikten utan punkten då konflikten radikalt förändras och förlorar kontakten med allt det som skett dessförinnan. Därför begär inte katastrofen att du hittar lösningar eller breddar kampen. Den kräver en helt ny begynnelse för att kunna skapa nya motståndsredskap. Och den nya begynnelsen föds inte när du försöker administrera katastrofen eller minimera dess konsekvenser, utan när du accepterar att den fullständigt brutit ner dig. Just det är sömnens funktion. Sömnen förbinder oss med botten vi måste snudda vid för att åter kunna stiga upp till ytan. Sömnen som ju bär på både nedbrytning och underkastelse är inte ett motståndsmedel i konflikten utan utgör födslovåndorna när konflikten transformeras. Sömnen är den grymma katastrofens skugga och tvilling. Utan den viker katastrofen aldrig undan. När ynglingarna lämnade stadens förtryck och sökte skydd i grottan försökte de inte att grunda ett idealsamhälle baserat på lärorna i den tro som fick dem att bli förföljda. De byggde ingen fästning för att därifrån attackera sina plågoandar. De bara sov. I 300 år plus nio gjorde de ingenting annat än att sova. Tusen och en sol steg och dalade utan minsta rörelse från deras utsträckta kroppar. Tills katastrofen vek undan och de vaknade. Grottan där ynglingarna dragit sig tillbaka var alltså inget motståndsnäste utan en plats för slutgiltigt uppbrott och total nedbrytning. En sådan plats lämnar man inte utan födslovåndor. Den sovande gruppen vill inte göra motstånd. Den vill befrukta en ny begynnelse. Och den nya begynnelsen som föds ur katastrofen är just uppvaknandet som följer på sömnen. Varje uppvaknande är trots allt ett försök. Hur blygsamt det än må vara 
att börja en ny morgondag.